Today on Bold Steps, Mark Job unveils a countercultural truth about the power of weakness. We can't stand weakness, so some of us go a long way to cover up our weakness, to act like we're not weak, because weakness means that we need other people, we need God. But I want you to know that that very thing that you have been avoiding may be the secret to the strength that God wants to give you. Glad to have you with us now for Bold Steps with Mark Job, President of Moody Bible Institute and Senior Pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd. And Mark, we see paradoxes in Scripture, don't we? We're going to talk about one of those today. There's power in weakness. Wayne, most of us do not like to feel weak. <laughs> when I'm sick and tired and high fever, I hate the feeling of being depleted. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're going to learn from this message that there is a power that emerges in our debility and in our weakness. And we need to learn to embrace the power that comes from weakness. Man, this is going to be good. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And let's get started. The power of our weakness is the message from Mark Job. I had just started preaching and ministering. And so it was a little bit new to me. And I had been invited to speak at a gathering of multiple churches that were coming together in another country. And I was excited about it. I had prepared for it. I was ready for it. I thought, this is going to be a great service. I've done my study. I have some great insights from the Word of God. I'm emotionally pumped up for it. And I'm going to, this is going to be great. People are really, really going to get something out of this Word that I have to give them. I woke up in the morning that I was supposed to preach, and I had this incredible toothache that led over to a headache, and my jaw was inflamed, I had a fever, and I thought this is going to go away, but it got worse during the day. I almost canceled out and said, I don't think I can do this because I'm I'm really like, I can barely talk, this pain is just searing, and so I showed up to the meeting, and I was feeling extremely out of it, extremely in pain, fever going, a blazing toothache, a headache that didn't let me even think straight. And I remember sitting in the car before I went into this auditorium and saying, God, God, I can't do this. I I, I desperately need you. Lord, you're going to have to do something because I can't even think straight. I don't feel like I can even talk. Please help me out. And I got up after the worship. My words weren't coming out well, but I felt the power of the Spirit of God. And God did something in that service that was amazing, overwhelming. People came to know Him. God was moving in an incredible way. And after the service, I remember getting in my car and saying, God, that was all you. In fact... In fact, it was probably better because I was weak than if I had felt strong and confident. Can I tell you something? Your weakness is your strength. 
I know some of you don't believe it, so I'm going to dig into the Word of God so we can see that. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Some of you today are feeling extremely weak, and you hate the feeling of weakness. Because weakness makes you feel like you're not in control. We have the image, all of us desire, we want to be strong, empowered, disciplined, in control, able, confident. We want to be able to tackle our situations. We want to have the resources to be able to tackle any challenge. We want to be able to say that we are mentally sharp, that we are physically strong, that we are emotionally stable to be able to tackle any challenge that's in front of us. Weakness is our enemy. When we feel weak, we feel like we can't. When we feel weak, we feel dependent. We run from weakness. We can't stand weakness. We don't like to admit when we are weak. We feel like even if someone sees our weakness that we are uh, giving in, that they will take advantage of it. So some of us go a long way to cover up our weakness, to act like we're not weak, because weakness means that we need other people, we need God, it means we can on our own power, and so we avoid weakness. But I want you to know that that very thing that you have been avoiding may be the secret to the strength that God wants to give you. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is talking to a group of people that are in Corinth. They are doubting his leadership. They are questioning whether he really is the apostle over him. And so the apostle Paul starts talking about his accomplishments and why they should trust his leadership and his revelations and how God has showed up to him and the gifting that he has. And he goes on a while about that, almost apologetic that he has to defend himself. And then he switches gears and he says, but really, let me talk to you about my weakness. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, he gives us a powerful insight into where his strength really came from. He says this, Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with God to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power, let me say that again, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you're taking notes today, write this down. Here's what happens when we embrace our weakness. Number one, embracing our weakness keeps us from becoming proud and presumptuous. Notice what the Apostle Paul says about the purpose of, quote-unquote, his thorn in the flesh. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, Conceited means that we have an opinion about ourselves that's higher than what we ought to have. Conceited means that we become proud, presumptuous, arrogant. Conceited means that we 
have an overinflated view of our abilities, of our strengths, and who we are. In order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. So, let's start with this. Paul is acknowledging that he was given something, a thorn in his flesh, so that it would combat the pride in his life. Now, you may ask yourself this question, what's so bad about pride? I mean, what's wrong with pride? We use it a lot. I I take pride in this, and I'm proud about this, and I have this pride. Well, let's talk about that for a second because the Bible actually has a lot to say about this. Pride is a combatant of spiritual power. Show me someone that's proud, and I'll show you someone that actually lacks real spiritual power. In fact, this is what God says about pride. In James chapter 4, he says, God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In other words, God is absolutely in diametrical opposition to the person that he, that he finds pride in their heart. Why? Because pride is basically saying, I can do this without you, God. I am sufficient, independent. I am self-contained. I have the ability, the power, the intelligence to be able to handle this on my own. God, I really don't need you. And James says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What is grace? Not the girl next door. Grace isn't necessarily what we say before we have our meals. You say, well, I said grace. No, 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 no. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. Uh, grace, is, grace is when God looks at you and says, I'm going to give you something that you don't deserve. I'm going to give you my favor. That's grace. You don't merit it. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't work for it. It's something that God gives you um, out of the abundance of his heart. It's, it's the favor of God. When the grace of God is upon you, you can do more than what you thought you could do. When the grace of God is flowing in you, it means he opens up doors that you could never open on your own. When God's grace flows into your life, you have power that you didn't think you could have. When God's grace is in your life, you experience victories that you couldn't have on your own. It's the grace of God, the favor of God, the goodness of God moving in your direction. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. In other words, there's no one here that deserves salvation. There's no one here that's earned salvation. Grace is the favor of God, and he gives us his favor, and when we respond to it in faith, then we can access all that is meant to be ours through God. It's God's grace. So here's what I want you to understand. Pride is the repellent of grace. 
when you go out into a hot summer day into the forest or go to a park, oftentimes where there's mosquitoes looking for fresh meat, your mom says, put the spray on you. And so you get the whatever spray it is, and you spray yourself up with it. Why? Because it's called a mosquito repellent. It means that it has some sort of chemical probably in there that when a mosquito gets close to you, it goes, ugh. And so instead of landing on you, it avoids you because it's a mosquito repellent. Let me tell you, pride is the repellent of the grace of God. When the grace of God approaches someone that has pride, it goes, oh, no, not here. Because pride repulses God's grace. Humility attracts the grace of God. And that's why the Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In James chapter 4, verse 10, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Why does God give grace to the humble? Because when someone has a humble heart, They are acknowledging, I can't do it in my own, God. I need you. I don't have the wisdom that I need to have. I need your wisdom, God. I don't have the power that I need to have. I need your power, God. I can't do life without you, God. I humble myself before you because I desperately need you, God. I cannot live independent of you, God. You are the air that I breathe. You are the strength of my life. You are the one that guides me, that holds me up, that protects me. You are my refuge. You are the one that gives me an identity. You are the one that holds my future. You are the one that gives me the ability to love, to show compassion, to have mercy. You are the one that puts breath within my lungs. You are the one I need for daily survival. I humble myself before you and say that I need you. listening to Bold Steps with Mark Job, and as we reach the midway point on today's broadcast, we want to remind you that if you ever miss any part of these messages, you can always find Mark's teaching on our website and listen on your own time by going to boldstepsradio.org. And if you'd like to have your Bible teaching session while you're out hiking or biking or simply running errands, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and pull up any of these messages right from your phone. Just go to your podcast app and search for Bold Steps with Dr. Mark Job, and make sure you tap the subscribe button. Another great way to fit in some more Bold Steps lesson is through the new Bold Steps Minute, where you can hear a short 60-second piece of insightful Bible teaching to help you connect the Bible to your everyday life. To start listening, just visit boldstepsminute.org. Bookmark it and listen to it every day as you head into work or get your day started. Now, Let's continue with today's message from Mark. It's titled, The Power of Our Weakness, here on Bold Steps. Everybody is weak. There's not a person in this auditorium that's legitimately strong. And by weak, I mean that we all have our areas of great vulnerability. We have those that are weak and those that don't know they're weak. But you, every person in this auditorium is extremely vulnerable. Your health could go in a moment. A brain aneurysm could knock you dead in this auditorium. Diabetes could set in. Mental illness can set in. We're all extremely vulnerable. We are all extremely weak, actually. And it's only those that don't acknowledge their weakness 
those that believe in a false sense of strength that operate, but all of us in our frailty and humanity are extremely weak. The Apostle Paul is saying that because he has a tendency towards pride, that God granted him the gift of a thorn in the flesh. Now, most of us would not look at it as a gift. We'd look at it as a curse. But the Apostle Paul says, I want you to notice the language that he uses, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given, not inflicted with, but I was given a thorn in my flesh. There's been a lot of debate as to what that thorn in his flesh was. Uh, Just a little bit of research and digging into this passage tells us what it is and what it's not. First of all, it wasn't like a little splinter. Uh, When we see thorn in the flesh, we think splinter. If you get into the Greek word here, it's not referring to a little splinter. It's actually referring to a stake, the kind of stake that you put into a tent. So it wasn't an irritation. It was more like being impelled by a spear uh, in his flesh. In other words, he was saying, this is not minor, this is major. We know that there's a physical dimension to it because he says it's a thorn in his flesh, so his physical body. We know that there's a spiritual dimension to it because he says he refers to it as a messenger from Satan, and we know there's an emotional dimension to it since he tried to get it out of his life three times, but it wouldn't get out of his life. So there's a physical, spiritual, and emotional dimension to this. We don't know exactly what it is. Uh, Down through the centuries, people have made conjectures about what was Paul's thorn in the flesh. Some people say it was a physical persecution. Others say it was chronic eye problems. Some people say it was malaria. There was a type of malaria that would afflict people in those days that would actually cause high fever and actually uh, sometimes emotional duress because of this fever that would afflict people. Uh, Some people thought it was migraine. Some people conjectured that it was epilepsy. Others said that it was a speech disability. We don't know. What we do know is that it was something physical, spiritual, and emotional that caused the Apostle Paul to feel weak. Something that he did not want in his life something that he tried to pray out of his life, but God allowed it to stay in his life because it was accomplishing a purpose of keeping him in a conscious awareness of his weakness that combated pride in his life. You know, sometimes we don't call unto God until we feel the weight of something in our life. If you've ever been to the gym with a young buck that's trying to work out a little bit and there's someone spotting them, they try to do it on their own. No, 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 I got this. You want to spot? No, 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 don't help me. Don't help me. (sighs) Add a little bit more weight. No, 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 I got this. Don't help me. And then when they're down and it's crushing them, I always like to say, you need help now? (laughs) Help, okay, now. It's not until you feel the extra weight that you start saying, I need help. 
Sometimes in life, when you don't feel the extra weight of a trouble, a trial, a difficulty, a challenge, it's easy to think that you can do it on your own. The more weight that you feel when you actually feel the weight is when you realize, I need help from something more powerful than myself. I need God help. The Apostle Paul is telling us that God actually allowed this thorn in the flesh to, able, to be able to help him combat the pride that was in his life. Number two, write this down. Not only does it keep us from becoming proud, but it means that God does not always answer our prayer. Embracing weakness means that God does not always answer our prayer for relief because he's working on our refinement. Notice what he says in verse 8. Three times, say three times. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Now some scholars believe that this expression of three times is a Hebrew uh, phrase. Uh, the Hebrews would use the expression three times, meaning I did it a bunch of times. So some scholars believe that he's just using a phrase that means he pleaded with God many, many times. Um, others believe it was just three times. But the, the, the bottom line is that the Apostle Paul um, asked God on multiple occasions. This is the Apostle Paul that did miracles. This is the Apostle Paul that had revelations from God. This is the Apostle Paul that Jesus showed up to himself. This is the Apostle Paul that was revered all around. This is the Apostle Paul that laid hands on people and the eyes of the blind opened. This is the Apostle Paul that, that uh, uh, did these incredible miracles for other people. But now there's something that he's afflicted with, something that he's struggling with. And he calls unto God three times with desperation and God does not answer his prayer. God says, I'm going to let you have your thorn in the flesh because my grace is sufficient for you. God always answers our prayer, but God doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer. Sometimes it's yes, Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's wait. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer because God knows that if he would answer our prayer, ultimately it would not be good for you. And on that truth, we pause this lesson, and part two will be coming up on tomorrow's program. So make plans to join us then on Bold Steps with Mark Job. In the meantime, head over to our website, boldstepsradio.org, and take advantage of some of the special resources we offer our listeners, like our Bold Step gift. Give us some details, Mark, about this month's unique resource. Politics are important. It's true. The world is full of competing agendas, and if we don't pay attention to what's going on around us, we can end up somewhere we don't want to be. But here's what you have to remember about the worldly agendas that get us so worked up. Each one, good or bad, pales in comparison to the kingdom agenda of God. That's why our Bold Step gift is such a timely resource. 
Between the pages of the book, The Kingdom Agenda, you'll discover a greater purpose for your life through God's kingdom plan. Dr. Tony Evans helps you learn how to deepen your understanding of God while changing the way you think about politics, our culture, and philosophy. Stop obsessing over what you see in the local papers. Fix your eyes on the pages of Scripture and keep your focus on the bigger picture. There's important work to be done, and God wants you to be a part of it. Just ask for the book, The Kingdom Agenda, when you give a donation of any amount to Bold Steps. And make that donation today by going to boldstepsradio.org or call us at 844-615-7363. Again, 844-615-7363. Or also, you can send your gift along with a request for the Kingdom Agenda through the mail. Write to us at Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And if you want to make the most of your giving, consider becoming a bold partner by spreading out your donation on a monthly basis. And when you sign up to give $30 a month or more, you'll get the Moody Publishers discount code of 50%. This will get you half off every devotional, Bible study, and kids book at the Moody Publishers website. Sign up to become a bold partner today at boldstepsradio.org. Or again, call us at 844-615-7363. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and we'll see you back here tomorrow for the conclusion of Mark's message titled, The Power of Our Weakness. That's Wednesday on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.